0: You know, last week I started a series on prayer. And um, man, this week, as I wanted to continue part two and I started diving into what I believe the Lord would have me say to you today, I was convicted. I've been convicted nearly all the week, not about my prayer life but about some things that I had forgotten about the importance of prayer in certain areas of our lives. And so just know that as I talk with you today, from a vantage point of love, I want you to know that God has already been dealing with me on this, and I have had to repent several times this week to several people about several things that I won't go into, Um. Because quite honestly, that's between me and God and me and that person, amen? amen? But prayer will reveal those things to us if we'll allow it to. I want to recap a little bit from last week because I think it's important for where we're going this week. And if you recall last week, I asked you to put aside whatever you thought or felt or heard or learned about prayer over the next couple of weeks, last week and this week, so that we could with a fresh mind and an open heart receive what God wanted to say to us all about prayer in a fresh new way. And I also said there's no better place to start than with the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 and 9. But of course we know, having gone back uh, to that passage, that the actual prayer begins back, uh, the actual discourse or dialogue begins back, I believe, in verse 5. I said last week I don't believe that the prayer that Jesus gave us was expected to be repeated verbatim each time we pray. In fact, I said that, that prayer, and Jesus made it certain and clear, that prayer is not about the words we speak. It's not about how eloquent or scholarly we are. It's not about the intonality of our voice or how we could say God with authority. You know, prayer is not about any of those things. Instead, I believe what Jesus wanted to do when he gave us the prayer in Matthew is he wanted to give us a pattern loaded with principles um, and a great picture of what prayer is actually all about, not just merely words to recite and repeat. And I said this, I said, prayer is simply and yet profoundly an ongoing dialogue between the lover and the beloved, that God is the supreme lover, and that I am his beloved. And I said this, and this is what I don't want you to miss because this is a huge paradigm shift for us in prayer. God pursues us first as the lover. He comes after us first. So the truth is prayer really doesn't begin with me talking with God. God speaks first. He comes after us first. That's a major paradigm shift when it comes to prayer because often we think that prayer begins with us, but it doesn't. God initiates the conversation. And here's the truth. If I believe that I'm the one that's initiating the conversation in prayer, then prayer becomes about me and my ability to do my due diligence as I reach out to God, and he reciprocates by responding to my needs. But since God initiates, then everything I do is merely a response to him. He speaks to me. I position myself to listen to him. He does his work in and through me, and the fruit of the Holy Spirit becomes evident in my life. Something else about prayer in this passage. Jesus says, the father knows what we have need of before we ask him, which means that I don't have to explain myself to my father. My father already knows exactly what I need before I pray. And this is what I love. He's already determined to meet my needs according to his will for my life, even before I ask him. So the point I believe Jesus is making here is that prayer is not about a performance. He says, don't be like this, the Pharisees, the scribes, and the hypocrites in performing. It's not about a performance. It's an honest, vulnerable dialogue between me and God. Prayer isn't about performing a duty for God so he will hear me. It's about me positioning myself to hear what God is saying to me and then continually rehearsing the truth about who he actually is. Man, he's God. Hmm. And I said this to you in this passage. I said in this passage, Jesus gives us many principles and And last week I gave you two, and and I said I really want to raise four of these principles for you to consider out of all the ones that Jesus gave us. So last week I gave you positioning myself to listen. That's what prayer is all about. And then rehearsing the truth about God. Today I want to give you two more. I want to start, though, by going back and reading the passage in Matthew So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to go back to verse 5 and start there. This is Jesus speaking. He says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray when you pray when you pray everybody say when when you pray go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you and when you pray do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do for they think that they will be heard for their many words don't be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him pray then like this our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I'm going to add this part to the passage this week. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I talked to you about the first two principles. Here's the third principle I think prayer prayer calls for. Prayer calls me to agree with God's priorities for me. Prayer calls for me to agree with God's priorities for me. You know, I said last week I was going to use the word align, but I looked at the word align, and it just seems so rigid. But the word agreement is more like the relationship that we enjoy with our Father and should enjoy with Him. Because to agree with something, I have to have the same opinion about it as that person has that I'm agreeing with. So, so, so prayer really is about me agreeing with the priorities that God has for my life. So Jesus says, listen, pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, our priorities in agreement with God through prayer. <laughs> I think it's interesting. A, a while back, I took a quarter and I, I showed you. The sides of the quarter that one side has the face of George Washington, the the father of our nation. And then on the other, it has the, the eagle, the crest of the United States, which represents the emblem of the kingdom of the United States. Watch this now. Our God is our father and our king. And he's a righteous king. He's a just king, he's a merciful king, and he is a good, good father. You're a good, good father. That's who you are. We sing it all the time, right? And I'm loved by you. That's who I am. You're perfect in all of your ways. You're perfect in all of your ways to us. Do you believe it? He is. He's good. And he wants me to trust him because he's trustworthy. Hmm. Here's why. Because he knows what I need and he wants me to trust him that he can provide for what I need daily. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. He knows and cares only about what's best for me even when it doesn't feel like what's best. For me, to me. He wants me to trust him. He's trustworthy. So my grandson comes up for the summer, hangs out with granddaddy on the weekends. I love it, man. I'm ready for Monday to come too sometimes. <laughs> man, I don't know, eight-year-old boys just have endless energy, man. But, you know, Pelzetta broke her foot, and so we have this big garden in the front of our house, and it has perennial flowers that come up at all different times of the year. And so it needs to be weeded so that you can draw the distinction between the annual and perennial flowers that are there and the weeds that want to overtake the garden. But Pelzetta hasn't been able to do it, and I've been pretty busy too. So she's told, she asked Khalil, she said, Khalil, I want you to weed this garden for me, and I will give you, watch this now, 8-year-old kid. $30 to do this. I'm I'm going somewhere with this babe. Don't I know I got to come home and everything. I know she's watching right now. Th- Thank you, man. $30, man. And I and I knew what Khalil wanted. Khalil Khalil's been wanting this, this addition to this video game that he actually loves called Fortnite. Yeah, I heard a bunch of people in here moaning. Has Fort not taken over anybody's life in here? Hmm. You don't even know what it is? Okay. Praise God for that. Amen. But anyway, so, 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 so me being the granddaddy, I know what's best for him. And so I go to him and I say, I say listen, man. I want you to have this $30, but here's what I want you to hear. You have to do a good job with this. Because $30 is a lot of money, and I want you to learn a good work ethic. You just can't skate over this job and expect to get $30. I know you want to, but you're going to have to do the job right, man. It's going to have to be done right. There's value in good work. And so Palzetta says to me, she says, don't, don't discourage him. And Khalil turns to me and goes, yeah, granddaddy, don't discourage me. <laughs> so off we go to the front yard, right? And and I get him out in the far corner of the yard and I lean down and I show him where the tulips are and I show him where the weeds are and I show him where the grass is growing up and I show him where the annual and perennial flowers are and I and I show him how to prune. I said, "Listen, man, you need to re- rip up all of this grass out of here. Be careful of these delicate flowers." I said, "You need to you need to cut around. I'm going to go get your tools. I got tools for you. I got tools for you that you're going to need. Um, I need you to cut around the flowers and trim the grass really well. And I need to be able to see the, the, uh, the wood chips on the bottom. I did that. You're going to have to do a good job. So he says, I got it, granddaddy. I got it. So I go off to get the tools. You know, granddaddy's going to get tools at work. You know, I want to get the the pruning shears. I can handle that. I want to get him some scissors because that's all his little hands can handle. And then I'm going to go get my gas-powered weed whacker. (laughs) Ha! Yeah. You know, because only I can handle that. I no sooner get back from the garage. I'm walking back from the garage, and he comes up, hey, done, granddaddy. And I said, "Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. I said, let's go back over to your corner. So I went over to him, with him to the corner, and I said, this is what it needs to look like. And I yanked out all the remaining weeds, and I put back the, the, the wood chips, and I cut around the flowers, and I showed him how to be careful of the other flowers. And then I, I, I said, now listen, you see how this is done? See how this looks? I said, yeah. He said, yeah. I said, now I want you to stop, and I want you to take a look at this whole garden, because the whole thing needs to be done like that. And here's what he said to me, that's too much, granddaddy. That's too much. And I said, it'd be too much for you, but man, I'm going to work with you. I'm going to get down here with you. I'm going to take out the tools that I know we need to get this job done right. And when we're done, man, when we're done working on this together, it's going to be awesome. And you're going to have $30. But it's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. So we're down there working. Two hours later, we're almost done. And he's over here on this side, and I'm pruning the tree. And he says something to me that is lodged in my memory and probably will be there forever. Here's what he says to me. He says, Granddaddy, when you work with me like this, I grow and it stopped me in my tracks but I didn't want to turn around and show him my startled face I said so I said what do you mean you grow he said I don't know he said I just I just know that I'm growing he says you know it's kind of like I mean I'm eight and I know that I'm growing but I can't see myself grow he says when you work with me like this I grow God wants us to trust him in that way. He wants us to trust that every tool we need, he'll provide. That every every bit of provision that we need daily, he'll provide. He wants us to know that even when we don't feel like it, he knows what's best for our growth. And he wants us to trust him. And every time we trust him, We got to know that even, even though it might be difficult, what we're working through sometimes and how we have to pray through situations, it might be difficult, but every time we're willing to work with God and trust him, it fortifies our strength. Prayer fortifies us. And when we work with God and pray to our Father, we are fortifying our own spiritual growth As his children. Amen. So the first is to agree. So the first way to agree with God's priority for me is for me to trust him. The second. Means that I have to offer be willing to offer others grace and mercy. Jesus said this. He said, listen. When you pray, pray to the father, forgive us our debts as we forgive Our debtors, forgiveness, forgiveness. I want to be really clear with something. We can trust God. He's earned our trust. He's never let us down. Trust is earned. Right? Forgiveness is a choice. See, God is always trustworthy. People are not always trustworthy. So, so listen to me, I have to forgive you if I'm a child of God, but I don't have to trust you. You have to forgive me as a child of God, but, but you don't have to trust me. Trust is earned. Hmm. Watch this now, forgiving others who trespass against us is a choice, but it's not an option if we're followers of Jesus Christ. It's a choice, but it's not an option if we want to keep our heart pure before the Lord. If we want to be forgiven of our trespasses, forgiving others of theirs is not an option. And forgiving others offers reciprocal grace and emotional release from feelings of guilt and shame. Okay, so I'm holding this pen in my hand. This pen represents forgiveness. I have a choice. I am holding this pen, and I have a choice to drop this pen. Let's just say it represents unforgiveness. I have a choice to drop this pen and to choose to forgive. That was a choice. Dropping unforgiveness. But watch this. I also have a choice to pick that unforgiveness back up. It's a choice. And I think that's the reason why Jesus came back to this. And this was the only point in the whole prayer that he emphasized So let me say it a different way. Forgiveness is a choice. It's a function of our wills, not our emotions. We must choose to forgive <laughs> because we will seldom feel like forgiving. There's, a, there's a, graph, I thought, a, a graphic I wanted to show you. I hope you can read it. I thought it was pretty humorous. It says, forgive you. Sure, I'll forgive you. The moment I see something I really want in the shopping mall. <laughs> this guy, uh, Louis Smead, made that cartoon. And then at the bottom, the caption says, To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that that prisoner was you. You see, family, the only option to forgiveness is unforgiveness. That's the only option. And listen, that is a deadly, deadly option. I'm going to put this famous, quote, this famous quote up on the board, on the screen. Listen, unforgiveness is like a lethal dose of poison that I swallow expecting it to affect someone else. Hmm. Forgiving an offense doesn't mean that I have to forget what happened because quite often it's nearly impossible to to forget the details and the trauma and the memories surrounding the offense. But forgiveness will prevent me from swallowing that deadly pill that'll cause me to become bitter or want to retaliate or feel the need for personal vengeance To my own demise and prayer, family, will keep us from swallowing that pill of unforgiveness. Hmm. Forgiveness sometimes is hard, isn't it? (laughs) I found myself saying this week, God, I can't do this on my own. I can't forgive on my own strength. I I can't go to that person and ask them to forgive me in my own strength. I need you. I need your power on the inside of me. And there are some of you sitting in here right now that know that you need to pray that prayer. We cannot forgive others in our own strength. And Jesus says, if we are going to be forgiven, we have to learn to forgive. Amen. So God's priority for me also is to experience victory in my life. Listen, we're in a war. Did you know that? This spiritual warfare has become so intense that it is now manifesting itself in the natural realm in amazing ways. Turn with me, if you will, to, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to look at the weapons of our warfare. When you have it, say Amen. If he's still trying to find it, say, somebody help me, please. No, I'm just kidding. Look what Paul writes in Ephesians to the church in Ephesus. He says, finally, verse 10, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, ...over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness... And ask for shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you shall extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Listen to me. Often we stop there. But there is another weapon in our arsenal that that Paul gives us right here. Look at verse 18. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. I look at it like this. I believe that prayer is our lance in our arsenal of spiritual warfare. I believe I believe that prayer prayer is a thing that keeps the enemy at bay. I believe that before he can even get to the armor of God, he's got to come through prayer. I, see, I have this game I love to play. As a matter of fact, I started loving to play it so much I had to delete it off of my off of my machine because you know, I'm, Pastor does not want to have no vices in his life. That thing started becoming a vice, man. So I had to delete it. I can't preach to you something that I'm not willing to do myself. I don't have anything that's a vice in my life. And if I think I have something, I'll either fast it or I'll get rid of it. How about you, family? Listen, but I found out that there are some parts of my prayer life that wasn't right. Wasn't wholesome. And, and I have on the armor of God, and it's God's armor, so it's invincible. But, man, you know, if you've ever put, if, I don't know if you, I'm, I'm just yelling hi. I'm, so, I'm so excited. Listen, if you've ever been in the boxing ring, or if you've ever jousted, or if you ever put on those great big old gloves, and you've got the big thing around your head, and, you know, people are, you, you're getting hit, you might have some protection, but you still feel it. Yeah? Man, we have on the armor of God, but sometimes it, the assault by the enemy is so vicious that we feel it in our armor. you know what prayer does? Prayer says, uh-uh, not today. Oh, I felt that. Uh, there you go. Get back. Get back. Get back. Get back. Prayer not only keeps the enemy at bay, but prayer will put the enemy to flight because the tip of the spear of prayer is sharp. How's your prayer life? Are you being waylaid by the enemy, getting hit on all sides? Maybe there's an area that you're not really covering in prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal that to you. Because prayer is the lance that keeps the enemy at bay. God wants us to have victory in our life. Prayer is the key to our victory. Amen? All right, finally, to agree with God's priority for me means to yield to the Father's love. Man our god is our father and i tell you something our father loves us with an uncommon unconditional supernatural everlasting love and our father's everlasting love is perfect and here's the challenge that we face as human beings human love is not perfect and our tendency is to project on god our view of his perfect love through the lens of the flawed love that we've encountered in our own human experiences. Hmm. And if we're not careful, we'll approach God's love the way we often approach human relationships. We'll work harder to try to earn his love, posturing ourselves to, to win his affection, thinking that this is what it takes for him to love me. But I want you to get this. Our Father's love is nothing like our flawed, common human love. The Father's love is perfect and it's holy, which means that it's uncommon. Our human love is often conditional, but the Father's love is unconditional. There's nothing that you or I could ever do to make God love us any less or any more. It's unconditional. And prayer aligns us with the truth that his incomprehensible love is perfect and unflawed and unchanging towards us. Prayer aligns us with that truth. John writes in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, he says, See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called his children, and so we are. I believe that when it comes to prayer, we need to approach the Father with the heart of a child. want to hear a secret There are days that I don't much feel like being an adult How many of you in know what I'm talking about Man, there are days I just want to be a child again, man. Because a child has no cares, no worries, and even when they think that they have a care or worry, they realize that they really don't have a care or a worry. <laughs> you guys remember that big windstorm we had a couple weeks ago remember that that knocked down all the trees remember that well my my grandson I said you know stays with us during the weekends and uh, that's our time together man but you know when it comes time for him to go to bed at night it's time for him to go to bed right (laughs) often because granddaddy's just wore out For like three years, he's not had a problem sleeping in his room downstairs. And during this time of the year it gets dark. A couple of weeks ago the wind was howling. I guess some things were making noises that he wasn't familiar with. So he comes upstairs to the house, to my to my room. He walks over to his to his grandmother's side of the bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Grandmommy, um, and she says, "Are you are you are you scared, Khalil? Yeah. You want to get into bed with us?" He says, "Yeah." <laughs> and about that time, I woke up. <laughs> now, Pelzetta and I, we have these big body pillows, man. They're big gigantic body pillows right um, they, and they're like horseshoe body pillows so they're they're I mean they're big they're fluffy it's like if you sit them up it's like having an armchair they're so big it's, it's amazing so so she's got hers I have mine Khalil comes between us and he nestles in between those body pillows and I could feel him moving and I could feel my blood because he's bothering me at 2 30 in the morning you understand I can feel my blood just starting to boil a little bit. And he nestles in, nestles in really deeply in there. (sighs) Off to sleep he goes, not a care in the world. (laughs) And what's what's amazing about, about my grandson is there's this thing that he has that, I don't know, because we're not around him all the time. So when he sees us, and he's has gotta, gotta make sure that it's real, right? So in the middle of the night, he'll reach over and touch my shoulder, or sometimes he won't even touch my he'll touch my shoulder and then he'll reach over and he'll start feeling my face. And <laughs> like, man, get off of me, roll back over, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Just wanting to be safe, man. Listen, there are times that I go to God just like that. And the truth is, there are times where I get afraid, just like Khalil. And that's when I want to go to my father, and I want to crawl up next to him in prayer. Why? Because I know that he loves me. I know that he's watching over me. He's not asleep like I was asleep. I can reach out to him and I never have to fear any repercussions because unlike grouchy Greg at 2.30 in the morning, my father is never grouchy. When I reach out to him, he'll reach back to me. He won't chastise me for reaching out. And I can just rest in his love from the cares of this world. That's a safe, sweet spot. You ever been there? God wants us to know his love as a priority. And I believe that's why Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. Everybody say prayer. In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Will you stand with me? Lee, would you come to the piano? God wants us to know the truth about Him and to trust Him. Maybe you've wrestled with Trust in God lately. And that's something you need to pray about. God wants us as his children to be free of unforgiveness. To be able to give and receive grace and mercy and forgiveness. Maybe you've been harboring unforgiveness here in your life. Or maybe there's somebody... And you know you need to go to and ask them to forgive you. God wants that for us. He wants us to be free from the poison of unforgiveness. Maybe you've been in a spot here lately where, man, your prayer life has suffered and the enemy's been been just beating you up. You've got the armor of God on, but it just feels like you're getting beat up from every side. Maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today and saying, listen, don't just put the armor on. Get out the lance of prayer. Use that as a weapon of your warfare to keep the enemy at bay. Maybe you're wrestling with the fact that the truth that God loves you with an uncommon, unconditional, supernatural love. If any of these things find you today, I want you to just stop in this moment and just take that to the Father. whatever it is, right now. And as you do that, I don't want to presume that everyone in here is following Jesus. I've made that mistake before only to find out later that people have admitted to me I were not following Jesus. Pastor, I, didn't have, I never had a relationship with Jesus. I don't want to presume anything. So maybe you don't know the love of Christ you want to get to know him, today's your day. Don't let this moment pass by without surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. And it can be this simple. God, I want you to be my father. I'm told you're a good, good father. But the way to you is through your son Jesus and so right now I choose to surrender to his love for me I offer you my life all of me from this day forward will you come into my life will you purge me from my sins will you make me new Will you create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me? Will you adopt me into your family? I surrender all to you. I want you to be my God. In Jesus' name.